Carey from Wrap Your Head Around Silks. This is the Expecting Ariel's podcast. How's it going, guys? Hope your week is going well. Before we get started, lots happening with Wrap Your Head Around Silks. We are in our last week of registration. I close on May the 31st for teacher training on June 24th and 25th, if you can make it to LA. We're going to do four zoom sessions in the time in between in those three and a half weeks and then we're going to do two days in person so if you can make it to LA and you're interested in silks level one teacher training with me there's still time to sign up just reach out uh you can always dm me or carry at wrapyourheadaroundsilks.com I'm really excited to work with you guys it is going to be a classroom ready based um training kind of more like Pilates training is and the way that I got my classical training there where you did a lot of teaching of other people more than just learning stuff on your own. So it's really trying to get you guys ready for the classroom, dealing with multiple levels at the same time and all of the little um, you know challenges we face as aerial teachers out there. And then, of course, I've got lots of free resources on my website. Um, Check it out there. Excited to have you um, work with me. All right. And today we have Tracy Miller. So I have had Tracy on perform, sorry, before on the podcast, and we talked about her injuries. But I asked her specifically, specifically Sarah Romanofsky, my good friend, said, hey, have you ever thought about having somebody to come talk about menopause. And I was like, you know what? I haven't, but that's genius because like, I don't know anything about it. I'm 46. I'm sure it's coming my way in the next decade. And we are so ill prepared for this thing that happens to every single one of us. So I asked Tracy, um, Sarah's like, you should ask Tracy. I was like, I will do that. I asked her, she obliged to talk about her experience. She had a huge change in her body, lots of symptoms in her pre-menopause stage. And she was told by her doctor, it was just about getting old and she just has to deal with it. And we're just supposed to decline and suffer where men get all these treatments for, you know, testosterone. They have all these treatments for later on in life. And, and in many cases, women are not treated the same. So we talk a lot about um, how we can advocate for ourselves, what more, what can we might be able to expect and how to um, advocate for ourselves and talk to our providers. So uh, we have a rant about uh, some stuff happening in America and have a really great time talking. All right, guys, I'm so excited for you guys to hear this. Let's get started. Okay, so, you know, I'm looking at you and I don't believe your age. Um, well, (laughs) Tracy, how old are you? 59. You're 59. You're also, let me just say it. Oh, a white girl. And you look, (laughs) it's true. I mean, she's got a little top bun and the rest of her hair down. You're giving me like, you're giving me like 30. Thanks. I'm not even joking. (laughs) Like, hold on. Let me take a selfie. Hold on. Let me take a picture. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm like, I, I shouldn't be so blown away by white girls not aging, but I am. I'm <laughs> 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 not joking. I'm like, whoa. Because the reason I asked Tracy to come on again, because she's been on before and we were talking about her injuries, is because I, I wanted 
someone to come on and talk to us about this mystery mystery thing called menopause that none of us are ready for emotionally, physically, mentally, because no one talks about it ever. Never. Ever. And I feel like, why are we so ill-prepared for what's naturally to come? And I think we need to talk about it because it's like, come on. It's so weird. Like our girls and women just like over time, just completely, it's just, our, our struggle is just invisible. It seems like. Well, um, my experience with this has been that the medical industry just disregards women after a certain age and they, it's not the same for men. Men are given, um, a lot more grace with these matters of aging and women are just, um, uh, ignored. And I have been along the way through this whole process of menopause and perimenopause and menopause, um, dismissed by my doctors as to what was going on with me. The answers were always just, eh, it's part of aging. Meh. You'll get used to it kind of thing. And I refused to take that as a, an answer. I mean, along the way, it's been extremely, upsetting and has made me feel very crazy because I was being told these things weren't happening to me, A, and that I was fine, B. And my reality was these things were happening to me and I wasn't fine. (laughs) Yeah. Like two out of two. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So let's start at the beginning of this process. When did you start having symptoms of menopause? So I, I think for me, perimenopause started happening between like 40, 45. Perimenopause, what's the definition of that? Like pre-menopause? So perimenopause is that moment in your life, lasts about five years, where things just start to become different with your chemicals in your body. Things start, it's, it's that time of uh, where you're, maybe your menstruation starts to get a little bit wacky and, um, and things like that. It's, it's the things that start to happen for you when, before you're in full on menopause, full on menopause is when you stop having your menstrual cycle altogether and other things start to happen to you. But perimenopause is when you start getting the symptoms that you end up having throughout menopause, like night sweats, like brain fog, um, decrease in libido, um, dry in vaginal area, things like that. Like things that just start to, it starts to happen. You start to feel it. You start thinking what's wrong with me. And then menopause happens. (laughs) Okay. So between 40 and 45, you started seeing these symptoms. So for you, what, what were those things? Um, I think the biggest things were uh, a lowered libido. Like I was up to that point um, a very sexual person and, and, and desired that. And at a certain point I was like, don't touch me. Uh, (laughs) if you ask me if, if we want to have, uh, sex, the answer is always no, (laughs) but but okay. (laughs) Let's get this over with. (laughs) Exactly. 
which was a bummer. Uh, I'm assuming you're you're talking about your partner or husband. Yeah, yeah. We've been together since 1986. And does he look okay. as spry as you? He's 54. He looks really young. Okay. He's, he's a musician. He's in bands, and he he's, yeah, he's stayed looking that way for... Okay, so he's touring as well. Yeah, he's on tour right now. Um, but yeah, he's that's that's kind of his thing but um but yeah I felt bad because he's gorgeous desirable all of these things that he still was but I just was like it doesn't work for me anymore or something it was very strange when I talked about this with my gynecologist they were like oh yeah this happens sorry I felt like I was being told this is the beginning of the end rather than there's hope there's things you can do there's ways to make this better it was always just like oh yeah and also it gets worse (laughs) (laughs) there's just no hope out there for us in the in the medical community they're just gaslight you every step of the way i have some good so you went to your gynecologist wait i'm sorry i have some very good news of, of recent that has changed everything but this oh, okay. process to this point has been has been sketchy and upsetting and yeah so the perimenopause was you know mild but i still knew something was different because i know my body right yeah um so when those started things started to happen the other thing is that you know kind of when you're in full menopause when you stop having your menstrual cycle but i had been on the morena iud since I was 40, which stopped my menstrual cycle altogether. Right. I didn't know where I was in the process. So I think around 52, I started full blown menopause, but I'm not sure. And then did your symptoms change in a way that you thought something had shifted? Yeah. So body aches, I wrote a bunch of this stuff down because of all of the different things that started to happen. So I'm just gonna read you the list of the things that were happening to me. Sleep deprivation, fatigue, joint pains, moodiness, dry vaginal area, painful sex, depression, brain fog, um, groping for words, you know, that like before anything that popped into my head, I was able to find the definition, the word for. And then it sort of became, uh, you know, that word for that was happening to me all the time. And I was like, am I dumb now? <laughs> what's, what's going on? Suddenly, I don't know words. And I'm married to a, a man who is extremely smart and is a wordsmith. He's a writer. He's a musician. But, he, but words are his thing. And so it's a little bit intimidating to be with somebody who can speak so beautifully all the time and and suddenly not be able to communicate properly. Right. And so what you're saying is we have a lot to look forward to. Is there anything? There's hope. Yeah, please, please. And also, so the last, so, okay. All of those things start happening And if you have a good female doctor, I'm going to stress that because I feel like that's the key. You can actually 
get some information and get some help. My, um, I kept asking my male doctor for help. I kept saying, what about hormone replacement therapy? What about this? What about that? There, I know that there's gotta be something that you can do about this because if I was a man and I said, uh, my libido is down, they'd say, here's some Viagra or let me write you right. Let me write you a prescription for testosterone or something like that. But for women, they're just like, you're fine. Don't be hysterical. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's such a nightmare in the medical industry for us. And all along the way, my, my primary care physician just kept gaslighting me about my symptoms, my symptoms as if they weren't happening, as if I would be okay. And as you mentioned in the beginning of this, I look okay. I look mm -hmm. like I'm okay all the time. Like I look young, I look, I'm fit. I, I do aerial um, acrobats. I do, you know, things like that where my doctors would be like, yeah, but you do all of this crazy stuff. So you must- Yeah, like you're fine. You're fine. Um, so I think that that's another problem of just looking at somebody's outer appearance and deciding that their medical life is okay with doctors. Right. So yeah, I've experienced that too. They're like, oh, but you're so fit. Yeah. Compared to the, the, the wider population. Yeah. That still doesn't mean my butt doesn't need help because it does. I talk <laughs> about that a lot because I have IBSD. I'm like, look, that has nothing to do with those, those tubes down there. Nothing, nothing. Exactly. So, so Absolutely. I, I kept asking for lab work to be done so that we could see, you know, what are my levels? What's going on with my hormones? What's happening? And in December of 2022, I, um, so just a, you know, a few months back, I asked again for lab work. I was given my, um, uh, I was given all of the details of what happened, all of the results. And my doctor kept saying, oh, everything looks fine. You might want to start taking uh, vitamin D because your vitamin D levels are a bit low. But other than that, everything's great. And I just was like, I, I don't, that doesn't track. I don't feel great. There are all these things happening to me on top of the fact that I started having visceral belly fat and I'd never had that before my whole life. I'd had a flat stomach. I'd had, I'd always felt very like good about my body and I started feeling horrible about my body. And I started really going back to those uh, really triggered me and my eating disorders from my teens. You know what I mean? It really started to throw me back to those times where I was like, I'm disgusting. How, how could you even look at me or, or find me desirable in any way? Um, I would wear my aerial clothes and feel like I hope nobody's looking at me. I, when I looked in my, at my videos before I post them on, on Instagram, all I saw was my belly fat. And I was feeling horrible. And so in December, I was like, there's got to be something. He said I was fine. And then in February of 2023, I read this New York Times article that came out. And it called it. And let me see what it's called, because it's a very important turning point for me. Um, something about why women are misled about menopause. And mm. I, go, I go, oh. I want to read that. So I'm reading this whole I'm article. make that note right now. <laughs> I'm reading this article. It's by uh, Susan 
Dominus. It was in the New York Times on 2-15-23. And she talked about all of the... Um, all of the things that she'd gone through and all of the reasons why women aren't being listened to about menopause. And she said something really interesting. She said, there's a high tolerance for women's suffering. It's not regarded as important. Mm. And I was like, ah, chills all over when I read that. And then just understanding that Hormone replacement therapy was very common until 2002 when this very imperfect um, uh, study came out that was full of errors and wrongs. And suddenly people went through this major panic about hormone replacement. And not until 2016 was that entire article debunked, but it was still taking a while for like people to understand that hormone replacement is actually a good thing to do if you're having all of these symptoms, something that can really help women. So I read that article. I called my doctor's office and I asked if I could be referred to a woman. Um, and I explained why. And they said, you know, we have a hormone specialist in our office and she, she'll be here tomorrow if you want to come see her. And I was like, I do want to come see her. So I did. She looked at the at the um, results from my labs that I just done in December, and she goes, "Oh, you know, um, immediately I see that you need estrogen because you're negative five with estrogen, and you're supposed to be like forty or 50. <gasps> and I go, "What? What's up with that other doctor?" Exactly, and that's I, terrible. I said. I'm not going to lie. I'm pissed. Oh, yeah. And she, goes, oh, yeah. She just kept going, I'm so sorry. Uh, that, and then she like turned her computer around to me and she showed me th what it said. And she said, and, and she goes, I don't know why he wrote um, that he wrote normal next to this. Oh, you could see the notes. Like it was actually in there. Yeah. I mean, not to say that you need to like, but in my mind, I'm like, is that malpractice? <laughs> exactly. I know. I right. got really, I got really angry and then I got delighted that there was, uh, there was something that could be done. Sure. She immediately sure. prescribed me estradiol, which is estrogen. And almost immediately I started feeling like a human again. I started feeling like Tracy again. I started feeling like myself. All of those things that I was having problems with changed. I want to have sex. I want, I'm not, it's not painful. I'm sleeping again. I, the visceral fat gone. All of these things have changed. And the, the only thing that I, I can't stop thinking about is it could have been sooner. They could have... Because how long, how long were you in the struggle where you're trying to figure it out? Uh, five years, six years. Oh, that's a long time. Yeah. And again, it's just like, if we don't advocate for ourselves, no one will. If we don't keep pushing. And for me, I don't want to upset anyone. I'm the kind of person that's like, well, I don't want to make anybody mad. 
So I don't know if I should continue pushing about this or, but I felt so empowered by this article in the New York times that it changed everything. It just changed my trajectory. I thought, yeah, I got to say, I got to do something. I got to keep pushing. I have to make them listen to me. And before that, I guess I felt like I trusted my doctor. But now right. I see that, um, you know, maybe... Not every doctor should be trusted. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Or that there's not enough information out there for menopause in general. For There's not enough going on. There's not enough advocation in the medical world for us as women going through something that every single woman in the world goes through. There should be more attention after a certain age and women are living a lot longer these days. So half of our lives spent suffering when we could be thriving. That's the thing that makes me angry. When is it that you started these meds? I started them in February. In February. Okay. So how long did it take for you to feel different? A week. Oh my God. So what were the first things that kind of got better? The sex drive? Sleep. Sleep. Okay. Um, depression, energy. Oh, I forgot to say energy and strength. Those two things I started seeing really slip away in my aerial practice. And that hadn't happened. I hadn't felt like that. I I would say the last year I started seeing differences in my strength and how I was feeling in the air. Um, So that immediately changed where I felt um, stronger in my climbs. I felt stronger in my inversions. I felt just stronger in general. She was having her earbud kind of, you know, gonna, gonna have to work on that. Oh my God. And then, and then the visceral belly fat, when did that, like, (laughs) yeah, a couple, like a month, a couple months just to kind of month, month and a half to kind of start. I started seeing a difference in bloating pretty quickly, but the the extra weight that was there took about, I started noticing a difference in about a month and a half. And, and, and granted all of this time where I was dealing with the bloating and the visceral um, belly fat, I had been going to my doctor and saying, I think I'm, I must be lactose intolerant or allergic to gluten, or we need to figure out what's wrong with me because this is happening and it's never happened before. And he did a bunch of blood tests and about like what I'm and, and allergy tests. And he's like, well, you don't seem to be allergic to anything. Um, so it's just sounds like it's just age. And so I thought, well, I guess this is the rest of my life. I'm just going to feel terrible in my own body. And that's, I, I just, it was, I couldn't accept it. You know, what you're talking about reminds me a lot about how I was feeling when I was nursing and I was breastfeeding because, of course, the, the estrogen is low during that time. The, the sex drive, the dry vaginal stuff, the, all, the, all of it. But that eventually goes away. So 
for women, I don't know if you know the experiences of other women. This is a question. If you were not to have gotten on these meds, is, is there a point where these symptoms settle down because the, no, because you're just now in this new phase and that's it. It just gets worse. Because menopause isn't, um, it's not a phase. It's like a landmark. You know, I've heard some women, um, they're like, I went through menopause when I was such and such age and it passed. Other people go through menopause and, and the symptoms just stay on and, and last forever. Oh my God, that's terrible. So like 90 years old, still having these problems. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and also uh, if things start to deteriorate, there's no, like at a certain point, that's just, that's just what it is. Yeah. (laughs) It's just going to keep happening like that. But the fact that there's a, there's a, not a cure, but there are, um, there are ways to help women via medicine and, you know, things like that. There there are remedies that aren't being suggested or prescribed to women unless they throw a fit like I did is insane to me. Are you in the Bay Area? I am. So you're in like a metropolitan area too. That is so scary to me. That by because, saying this, this is like good for women that are that are younger than me. Like I'm so excited to be able to say all of these things to people out there that are listening, that are women that are younger than me, that are just starting perimenopause, that they can be like, they can have the information that they need in order to push for their own health. And these are these are this is healthcare. This is simple. Healthcare. It's healthcare. Yeah. You know why I actually reached out to you that day? Sarah Ronofsky, she texted me. She's like, hey, uh, have you had anybody talk about menopause? I was like, I haven't. I was like, I got to figure out. And she's like, reach out to Tracy Miller. I was like, (laughs) I will. (laughs) I was like, oh, good idea. And then I, and then I messaged you. I was like, if you are not the age I think you are, just let me know. And I'm, I'm thinking about somebody else because, but you you were the person, you were the person. And and we can share this podcast loud and proud because there are so few conversations being had about this. Um, the other thing that just pisses me off, you think about the amount of ads you see for Viagra. Exactly. Which is basically a hormone replacement for men who are older, right? That's basically the whole point. Yeah. And testosterone. And as, Men are prescribed testosterone yes. like it's in their water. Like, like it's candy. Like there's a terrible ad with this old football star talking about testosterone like over-the-counter supplements. I see it on like on cable news. Yeah. Like between the segments, like constantly. So there is this medicine called estradiol and then other ones like it, I'm sure, that are not being marketed the same way and it's covered by insurance i pay for my um my monthly prescription for the estradiol i'm paying like three dollars it's cheaper than any other prescription i've ever gotten 
for me. I could have been, I mean, it's out there ready for us to use, but the majority of people stopped using it back in 2002 or stopped prescribing it when that first study came out that was full of imperfections and uh, improper information. So it's just waiting for us. It's out there waiting for us. (laughs) Okay, so is it one of these things where... Did you decide to, do you have your IAUD still in your body or no, did no. you? No, they, they ripped that out of me when I was 50. <laughs> and I say that because it was the most painful thing <laughs> I've ever had put in. Really? Out of me. Yeah. Which, no is another, which is another healthcare issue for women. When I went to get my Mirena IUD put in, I was screaming literally on the, you know, the, whatever that is, the bench that they have you lay down on. And my, and the woman was saying, who put it in said, um, it's fine. It's not that. Oh goodness. Instead of, Oh, hang on. Do you need me to give you some deadening, uh, something in there so that it doesn't hurt as bad? Like, no. Oh my God, that's terrible. It was a horrible experience. Um, But yeah, there's, I mean, we as women handle all of the birth control and all of that, that we, you know, in order to have sex with men, we take care of it. Don't get me started. (laughs) (laughs) My God, it's like, seriously. Yeah. We're responsible for the most part. And then I I haven't gone on a rant in a long time on this podcast about the abortion topic in America, but holy shit, things are happening in cities and state and states. Taking taking away proper health care that we deserve, that we should have always. It's absolutely insane. Well, and the rhetoric is just so, like, infuriating. I am happy that I'm not exposed to it too much, only when I go on Twitter and I click on something and then you see all the comments, right, about how, like, I mean, I heard clickbait the other day out of, like, a cable news person. All Democrats want to kill all babies alive. And in in utero, I was like, what? talking about and they're doing you know it's on purpose you know to inflame the matter there's no nuance nuance takes patience and you know rationality and all that stuff and that's always been around but unfortunately women in many states across this country are now in a position of less power and 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 control over their situation over and when they say that like Abortion is not an economic topic. I'm like, what are you talking about? Of course it's economic. That's the first thing. Yeah. Can I afford this? You know, and then men, not even in the conversation at all. It's, it's, infuri- it's infuriating on every when, single level. When I was in college, um, so like 88, 89, 90, those years, I was living in New Orleans and um, I was a clinic escort for Planned Parenthood and um, Mm. just having to deal with these insane 
uh, people who were trying to block entrance to the clinic. And a lot of these women were getting a pap smear. A lot they, they were going to their doctor's appointment. They weren't getting abortions. Right. right. And we were oh, having to, we were having to deal with that then. And I just feel like how am how am I still having to fight? How are we here? Yeah. Yeah. Like that my little bean behind me will have less less rights than than me in my in my birth like birthing years. Are you kidding me? That's just crazy. It cannot it cannot be the case. Yeah. And I know these things are not going to change quickly, but they need to change by the time she is able to have kids. It has to like things have to change. This is um and it's also not what really the majority of people in this country want. Yeah, exactly. It's just um, lawmakers and people that are in charge of things pushing absolutely crazy, insane things through Congress and I don't, in the Senate, and it's crazy to me. I don't understand. I don't understand how we got back well, here. And, and the misogyny within the medical industry, <laughs> I have always leaned towards female gynecologists, female doctors across the board. Actually, I've always leaned towards female Asian ones. Uh, I don't know. A, a very like intangible sense of comfort for me. Yes. That makes total- uh, but at the same time, I've also kind of veered away from the, from the Asian women sometimes because sometimes, uh, it's too similar and like they create anxiety for me. <laughs> like they're anxious and it makes me more anxious, you know? So I pick my doctors very carefully, but with that in mind sometimes, because not all men doctors. Uh, my da- my dad's a doctor. Hopefully, that didn't come out in his practice. But there's something about that. On a side note, I don't often experience misogyny because I live in a very, very like a safe blue bubble over here in LA. Right. Uh, but I am renovating a house with my partner, and we're kind of splitting up the work a little bit. He does most of it, to be honest. But I was like, I set on the path of like finding. Uh, somebody to install exterior doors, like replace them. And call after call after call. They said they would not come and do a quote unless all, quote, air quotes, all homeowners are there. What's that about? This is not the first time I've heard this. I have... What the fuck is that? I have heard people say that they, they, the people came to their home to do quotes for different things and wouldn't give the estimate to the wife because the husband wasn't present. They said, I'm sorry, but your husband needs to be here for us to continue with the quote. What, what if there's no husband exactly? <laughs> like, what if I was a single mom? Would they say no to the work? And guess what? They did because I said, that is not going to be the case. Actually, also, come into the 21st century if you want to have work because this is a second home for us and we, were gonna, we wanted to do it on FaceTime. And they wouldn't do it. They put down the phone. I was like, you are dumb. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. And then, of course, that same company is like calling me, calling me, calling me now. And I'm like, uh, have you ever heard of that? Like a business 
And it's not like I'm calling a door company to get windows and they don't have windows. Like they have the product. They do the service that we need. And they, I had four, four businesses say, okay, thank you to me. Have you lost your mind? I've never heard of this in my life. Yeah. Why would you give up work? Why would you give up work? You can't, first of all, you can't tell that I'm Asian on the phone because it's a regular phone call. So I'm just a woman and they wouldn't do it. I don't know what to say. I I'm like, and I, and I didn't, because my mind doesn't go there first because I don't come across blatant misogyny like that very often. So I called Asa. Yeah. I called him. I was like, does that, does ever happen to you? Like, because he dealt with the plumbers and electricians, like, when you say you want to do a remote quote and you know, we have like, it's, it's fucking 2023. We have like smart locks on our doors. We let them in from our app. Right. They go in, we call them on FaceTime. We do a walkthrough. It's, it's 2023 people. And I asked him, has this happened to you calling plumbers and electricians? He's like, nah. I was like, what? Yeah. He's like, Oh, I was like, what? He's like, it's because you're a woman. I was like, what? <laughs> and then I it realized I dawned on me and then I was pissed. That's the thing about it is that, uh, and I feel like you and I are similar this way, like we're strong, capable, we get shit done, right? And I don't want somebody to get in the way of that by saying something about the fact that I'm a female is the reason, like it confuses me. I think that can't be it. It confuses me. Yeah. yeah, like that's so silly. They just turned down what will be like three to $5,000 worth of a contract to replace five doors. That's a lot of work. Um, have your husband give us a call. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what if there's two women in the household because you're a lesbian couple? <laughs> My husband would get there and say, um, yeah, whatever she wants. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Do they have an experience where the men won't ask as many questions or is it just straight up? And a lot of these people answering the phone at these places were not men. It's like a half and half. And then Asa was like, you know, I think some salespeople tell their people to do that. That's part of the way they deal with things. Yeah, they do. And I was, I, I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. So I, I'm definitely in a bubble because I don't experience that. My, my workplace is mostly women. And we're all badasses and we have like two men around and they're gay, you know? So I don't experience, uh, there's a lot of subtleties in a lot of corporate environments that I don't have to, yes. yeah. you know, experience all the time. And I'm grateful because, I mean, you just spend your whole, I, I just be pissed all the time. Yeah. I mean, I've been through corporate world and have had those moments where I'm in a meeting full of men. And I, my title's higher than most of them. And they say, Tracy, can you take notes? <sighs> like, why? Because <laughs> I'm a all woman. People. And I should be the secretary in this meeting. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Oh and it's, it, it, it's, it's living out there. And even the younger generations of boys are being taught this bullshit. And it makes me insane when I hear my 17 year old niece talk about things about, you know, what she's dealing with in her life and, and how men are and how they treat her. And I'm just like, no, 
other 17 year olds are doing this and, and they should be, this should be eliminated this behavior. Yeah. Yeah. And then I also was listening to podcast. It was talking about the statistics since the pandemic of the decline in college educated, um, college diplomas for men versus women. There's not necessarily a split for um, the ethnic split there because I think there's a that changes the the numbers quite a bit. But that's really interesting because um, as a society as a whole, women are graduating from college at higher higher numbers than men in this country. Um, the boardrooms in this country are starting to to be different than they were. So. Um, all of this, you know, misogyny in, in medicine, misogyny in the workplace, blah, blah, blah. This is all going to shift. It is not shifting fast enough for me. Um, maybe that's part of the reason why I decided to have a bunch of podcasts because it made me feel like I had a little, you know, to push the scale the other way. Yeah. And I hope that this, I hope this conversation about menopause in this context is helpful because if I hadn't read that New York Times article, so I'm, I would never have pushed for what I needed the way that I did. Um, it's, it's about having information. It's about understanding that I'm not alone in this world of what's happening to me because we've been put in this little box of, shh, shut up, stop. It's, you're fine. You're, it's part of aging. It's, get, get over it, get used to it. Um, instead of being, you know, empowered to seek the health that the healthcare that we uh, that we deserve, that's out there available, you know, it's just. I just hope that this is something that helps that reaches people that they can um, know that they're not alone and know to push and continue passing up any gaslighting medical professional out there and go to the next one. Yeah, kick them out. Exactly. Move on. <laughs> I know it's hard sometimes to, to leave your doctor, but for me, it hasn't been hard because my insurance has changed so much. I've had to. Right. So I'm like, okay, I'm not going to get attached. I'm just going to get the best thing for me. Yes. And if I don't like the way something's going, switch it up, yeah. you know, because what we're paying, for. you know, I we're can, paying. I, yeah, I can, you know, grab your medical records, move on to the next one. But, uh, I, it's harder. It's harder if you don't live in a big city, I think, for that. But um, yeah, ladies, if you guys want to contribute to this conversation, please email me. Uh, you can always find me at Carrie at wrapyourheadaroundsilks.com. And trust me, there is no red tape here. I'm the only one running this business. So if you email me, I'm going to get it. Uh, so um, Tracy, it was so great to have you. The Bean happily... Uh, had her earbuds in, my earbuds in. This is the first time. Her little ears, I thought they were going to be too big. <laughs> or they're totally hurting her and she doesn't care because she just wants to hear her bluey. Oh, it was my pleasure. Yeah. And I really appreciate you reaching out to me. And shout out to Sarah Romanowski for um, <laughs> sending you my way. <laughs> I say this every single time I record, I learn something new. Every single time I get on there with you ladies, you guys inspire me you you educate me and and through me all of you guys in the world so thank you for 
for bringing this to us in a way that we can understand it, in a way that we can help advocate for ourselves. And I appreciate you carving out the time and being vulnerable and sharing your story because it's not easy. So um, my friends, if you have any questions for Tracy, um, you can always find her at Fabric Ariel on Instagram. Um, it's in the show notes. Again, also teacher training, my first Silks One teacher training. It is a pre-launch, so it's slash $300 off. I'm so excited to test my format, get you guys' feedback, and um, get to meet you guys in person, work with you guys um, face-to-face. Um, check out my website if you want to do any of the re- uh Free resources, it's all there for you. Please honor me with a five-star rating and a review. It means so much. I don't know if you guys know how much it means, but please just leave me a sentence. I'll highlight you on my website and um, hopefully get to know each and every one of you guys out there. If you want to be on the podcast, if you think you have an interesting story, an interesting perspective on anything we've talked about or anything we might talk about in the future, carry up wrapyourheadaroundsilks.com is how to easily find me. Obviously, I'm running this whole show by myself, so you will reach me no matter what. And if you want to hear the sound of my voice even more, Greener Grass is also on the Digitant Podcast Network, and you can find it wherever you get podcasts. We talk about a lot of really, really broad things uh, in, in contrast to this one. All right, my friends, over and out. This is the Expecting Realist with Digitant Podcasts.